Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And I want to give, first off, I want to give a thank you to Pastor and Sister Regan for their inviting me to come and um, hospitality and just everything uh, they've done. I know they just got back from their trip and, and uh, I'm just, I'm really, I've been looking forward to coming. I'm really honored to be here and uh, it's very special to me. Um, as he said, my dad pastored in Lawrence and uh, I remember coming over here, I think maybe some Sunday nights for worship and then uh, I remember we did a big outreach push one Saturday. I, you all came and some other churches came and uh, did outreach at the university and around the town and I remember that and uh, then also I, I remember uh, mom was doing the choir at youth camp and for some reason, uh, me, my brother, and one of my cousins rode with Brother Riggin over to camp. Mom dropped us off. We rode with you. I remember. I'll never forget that. And uh, he's just been kind to us. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. Just It's just good to be here today. And I appreciate the presence of the Lord. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do today. Amen. I see, I see some familiar faces. I, I see faces I've never seen before. And I'll tell you what, you're in the right place today. Amen. This is the right place for a new life. Hallelujah. And what a better day, a better uh, day of the week, a better time than on this Easter Sunday to come to the house of God and, and to feel his presence one more time. Amen. I wonder right now if we could just raise our hands and let's just give God some praise. And let's just thank him that we are right now in this tabernacle to worship, to magnify him. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we magnify you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. That is Bible. Amen. We don't clap as an applause as, as one might clap at a convention or at a seminar, but we clap unto the high God, the high, our high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. Giving him honor and giving him what he deserves. Hallelujah. I, I can't help but think about today, a lot has been said and uh, made reference to that of the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to focus on the resurrection, but before there can be a resurrection, there's got to be a death. Before there can be a resurrection, there has to be a burial. And uh, I want to come today and preach along those lines here today and um, take our minds back to that time and pull from that story uh, in alignment to where we are at today spiritually. Amen. And uh, I believe in, uh, in a congregation of this size and of people from all walks of life you have come today with needs. You have come with uh, prayers that you've prayed for. You have come with circumstances that are probably beyond your uh, control. And uh, but uh, I want I want to tell you there is hope today. And uh, if there was no hope, what what would we have to live for? But thank God there's hope. Amen. Thank God there's a true church. Not every tabernacle, not every church sign that has a church on it or has a name of a pastor can truly say that they are a true saving station. But can I tell you, you have walked into a place today where there's truth being preached and it's being lived at home and abroad and at work. Not just, it's not just a status quo, not just a, a Sunday going to meet kind of religion. But can I tell you, we believe to live it when we walk out these back doors and we go to our homes and we go to our job sites and we're at Walmart and we're at Target. Hey, hey, it's a true walk living for the Lord. Amen. And somebody really, really can do it. Praise God. Amen. I, 
I, uh, I, I talk to people. I talk to witness to them. And uh, they all have the stories of, of times that, you know, they, they try to get religious and they find a church and they get hurt and they get, they get disgruntled and, and uh, uh, the word of God is twisted and, 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 and twisted and, and just uh, used in such uh, horrible ways and, uh, and, uh, and to, to the point to where they, 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 they wonder if the word of God is even true. They wonder if, if there even can be a true church or if God is just a figment of our imagination. I'm going to tell you what, he is not a figment of our imagination. He is a real, powerful, all-being God. Amen. And I hope and pray that by the time you leave this building here today, that you can leave saying, I know he's real. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And uh, I will be drawing your attention to the book of Mark, the 16th chapter. Amen. My honor to be here. And you know what? I pray. I pray and hope that all of us that are here today would come back tonight. Amen. Tonight. Uh, this is Easter Sunday, and, and man, I, I really enjoyed those, the programs. And man, the kids did an outstanding job. Very, very well done. And uh, worship, fill the presence of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what, come back tonight. And you'll just get more of it. Hallelujah. And uh, I pray liberty be here tonight. Anybody, everybody going to come back tonight? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but hey, I'm going to be here tonight. I hope I don't, I'm not here by myself. <laughs> Amen. Tonight, tonight, right here at New Life Church tonight. Praise God. Mark 16th chapter. And uh, like I said, this is, this is just uh, today. This is today. This is all what we're talking about. And so I feel to go this route this morning. Amen. Mark 16th chapter verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. At the rising of the sun. They they came at the rising of the sun not knowing that they were going to walk away feeling like it was the setting of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone? We're coming for our master. We're coming for the one that we have followed. And by the way, when we get there, who's going to roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they had looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, as we have already seen in the play. White garment, and they were affrighted. They were frightful. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He hath Risen, he is not here. Behold, the place where he laid him. And all you know, we read in the story that they were those that did not, there were those that did not remember the words of Jesus when he said that I will destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. They did not get a true revelation of what. He was talking about, sure, the angel said, you know, uh, he's not here, he's risen, but yet I'm sure there was questions in their mind. Where did he go? How will we find him? How can we find this risen Savior? Probably left, uh, left afraid, left uh, scared, for Bible says that they were affrighted when they saw the angel. And uh, hearing his words, I'm sure, gave them hope. But yet still, yet still, there was that question. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this subject, an empty tomb. 
Everybody say an empty tomb. An empty tomb. You can be seated. Praise God. In our reading today, we read about the character, uh, the focus of this story, the focus of this event, and what it is surrounded by, and who it is surrounded uh, as far as a character, the main character, the main individual, which is Jesus Christ, Almighty God. And uh, he was not just a man that was a good man, I think, to understand the story and to get a true, the true impact of what is taking place, to get a true impact of what is transpiring, is to get a true understanding of who and what it's all about. It's not just about another prophet. It's not about another Jeremiah or Elijah or some other good man that would do good works. But this was Jesus Christ, Almighty God. And we can read in our scripture and throughout the Bible that defines who Jesus Christ is. There were those that called, thought he was Elias. There were those that thought he was John the Baptist. But who do you say that I am, Peter? He said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Son of God. He had a revelation that Jesus Christ was almighty God in the flesh. He was not just another good individual doing good works, but he was almighty God. For Colossians 2 and 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him who is head of all principality and power. Amen. And Jesus was not a second rate to the Father. Uh, another verse said, where Jesus said, I am the Father, are one. I and my Father are one. Another portion, he said, Philip asked him, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, how come you ask us to show us the Father? How long have I been with you, Philip? How long has it been? Have you not, have you not gotten a revelation put Put, put your trust and your faith in me. Put your trust and your confidence in me. I, I, I've been with you for so long, Philip, and how come you ask me to show you the Father? Hallelujah. Jesus understood that, uh, that in all of this transpiring that there was going to come a time that he was going to have to uh, pay the price for all lost humanity and that all past, present, and future sins of individuals and, uh, and, and lost souls would have to be covered, not covered by, uh, by just that of man's words, but that of the blood of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For he knew that scripture had to be fulfilled in Hebrews 9, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. For there had to be a Calvary in order for there to be redemption. There had to be a Calvary in order for there to be salvation. There had to be a Calvary in order for there to be a Pentecost. There had to be a Calvary in order for there to be baptism in Jesus' name and that of the washing away of our sins. It all was built on Calvary. And so all of this was hinged on the very concept of who Jesus was. And I think of doubting Thomas. He, as we know it, Jesus said, put 
after Jesus had risen, he, the Lord said, put, put your fingers in my side and feel the nail prints in my hands. How, how, how much more do you need in order to believe? How much more in order do you need to see uh, to believe? And I think of us here today as we sit, stand here today in this congregation feeling the presence of the Lord and worshiping the presence of the Lord and seeing the presence of the Lord. And we all coming from different walks and backgrounds and, and maybe tried different kinds of religions and tried different kinds of lifestyles, trying to find the peace of mind and the peace of heart and the peace of spirit, trying to find the joy, trying to find the value in living and can I tell you, if we would just let the Lord have his way here today and let, let ourselves feel the presence of the Lord and let ourselves feel his glory and feel his power and ask God, God, give us a revelation of who you are, God. Give us a revelation of the oneness of God that in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete. We are full. We are without without need. Amen. When I think of Calvary, moving on, when I think of Calvary, I think of that hill called Galgotha's Hill, known as the place of the skull. It was a, a time of death. It was a time of pain. It was a time of suffering. It was a time of darkness as Jesus Christ uh, cried unto, all, unto the Lord, Almighty God, unto his spirit. Uh, he did not cry unto uh, another uh, individual. He did not cry unto a second person. But he was crying unto his spirit uh, which was almighty God. My father why hast thou forsaken me? He felt the pain and suffering of death and, and hurt feeling and bearing all the sins uh, of humanity. A time of darkness and despair as the graves were opened up as uh, uh, there was no light and uh, it was that depiction of Golgotha it was that depiction of Calvary as the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, shed his blood but yet on the flip side it was also a time of redemption there was a time of hope it was a time of mercy. It was a time of grace. When I also think of Calvary, I think about that, that picture of the crucifixion, the gruesome, uh, the gruesome works of the Roman soldiers as they nailed him to the cross. And as with each sounding of the hammer against the nail, as it would go deeper and deeper into the flesh, of our Savior. And as one Roman soldier pierced him in the side, proving the scripture that by, out of his side flowed by, with water and blood are, uh, flowed out of his side. It was that pain and that anguish and that suffering and them crowning his head with the thorns, uh, uh, mocking him as hell, king of the Jews, uh, and stripping him of his garments and parting his, uh, his clothing and spitting in his face and mocking and despising him. But when Jesus Christ cried, Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? And it is finished. There was one Roman soldier there that stood there and said, surely this is the Son of God. I can't help but think everybody that stood at the foot of the cross that day that they got a revelation that we have just crucified the Lord. Every Jew, every Hebrew that mocked him and made fun of him, that scourged him in the streets of Jerusalem, that spit in his face, that despised his name, that they stood looking unto the master as he gave up the ghost saying surely we have just crucified the Lord.
I'm going to tell you what, we get so far, we, we've gotten so far in this day and time of, of Christianity that all we can think about, it's all we can think about is, the, is, is, is feeling good and, and the joy of the Lord and, and the mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy and grace and grace. But can I tell you, before there can ever be mercy and before there can ever be a grace, there's got to be a dying out, a pouring out of oneself a repentance, a crucifixion of our personal man, a circumcision of the heart, a cleansing of the mind, a washing of the internal humanity that lies within our hearts. Hallelujah. The Baptist, the Church of Christ, the Methodist, the uh, Lutheran, we've, they've all, they all used to preach about repentance. They all used to preach about the coming out of the world. But can I remind you, it's still in the book. It's still in the book to repent. It's still in the book to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It's still in the book to touch not the unclean. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching here this morning. Anybody going to preach with me? Hallelujah. It was a time of weeping. It was a time of pain. It was a time of hurt. Can I tell you, we get to the point of walking and living and serving the Lord uh, that we look at, look, look at Lord serving God as if it's just a feel-good religion. And it ain't church if it ain't making me feel good. Can I tell you, God, God can bring a weeping spirit on us God can cause us to get to a point to where we will weep and where we will cry and where we will feel the burden of our sin and of our suffering. I'm just come to preach to you that there still is a price to pay for our lost humanity and for our lost, our lost place in this life. Amen. Amen. There is. There is a price. There is a place of death, but there also, there also is a place of life. Amen. 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 There was, uh, there was this picture. There was this depiction. And, uh, and yet they could not remember. Some of them did, but I believe many of them did not. Uh, that in John 2 and 9, where uh, 2 19 where Jesus answered them I'm going to destroy this temple and in three days uh, I'm going to raise it up they did not get the revelation that he was talking about his body uh, he was talking about his death and, uh, and, and I, want to, I want to bring this around to where uh, to us today and make it uh, uh, relevant to our, our walk with God that one day we're going to rise to the newness of life. And we'll get to that in a little bit. With every burial, with every burial, there's got to be a preparation of where you're going to put the body. Every burial. A burial is not complete until it has found a resting place. And Joseph not Joseph, the Mary's husband, but another man by the name of Joseph was there at the cross when Jesus on Calvary on crucifixion day. And there he took the body of Jesus and he put him in a tomb and prepared his body for burial. It's a big thing in those eastern countries to prepare the body for burial. It's serious business. It's not like here today that, well, back then they didn't have all the embalming ingredients, but they did have other ways of trying to preserve the body. But it's a big deal. They took the body, and he took the body and put it in a tomb. And I find it interesting that all through Jesus' life, he was a man that had no resting place. He said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And in fact, as a new baby, baby and two brought into this world, not by means of a natural birth, but a supernatural birth, 
where the Holy Ghost indwelled Mary and she conceived and brought forth Jesus Christ, Almighty God, and the key, and, and all the wise men came to see him, brought bringing him gifts. And yet we know the story of how that they went to the end and they could not find room in the end for Mary and the baby boy Jesus. Where did they have to go? They had to go to a manger where animals are. The smell of the farm. The smell of hay. The smell of dirt. The smell of the dirtiest of the dirty, if I could put it that way. The smell of sheep. The smell, I don't know all the animals that were in there. Maybe there was all chickens and just the smell of the farm. And so, you know, we liken it as a good thing. You know, people like to be on a farm. They like to say, and I do. But, but to think that Jesus, almighty God, the King of Kings, was brought to that low place. And so Jesus was brought into this world. As I look at dealing with uncomfortable circumstances. He was a man that lived his 30-something years in uncomfortable circumstances. Not a pillow to put his head on. Not a bed to sleep in. Not, not a home to, to call his own. Not even an S to lay in, so to speak. Not even a hole. The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. We're talking about Jesus. The man, Almighty God, that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him, this man who could call the angels down with the snap of his finger, did not even have a place to lay his head. And yet he walked and lived among us and cast out devils and delivered people and opened the blinded eyes and healed the demoniac of Gadira. Jesus, who was used to uncomfortable circumstances. And we live in a world, and can I just bring it down to us today? We live in a world. It's not just America now. It's not just the Western Hemisphere. It's not just North America and Europe. But we're living in a world that's full of trouble and true, full of un comfortable circumstances. We live in, in a world where marriages is full of uncomfortable circumstances. We live in a world where schools and our children going to our public schools are living in uncomfortable circumstances. We live in a society where the television is full of promoting uncomfortable comfortable circumstances. We live in a world where there are psychologists seemingly everywhere. Why? Because people are living constantly in a realm and in a world full of uncomfortable circumstances. And I, I can't get down to, I don't know what they might be, but there's, there could be, it could be anything. And, and you could just fill in the blank for yourself. You can fill in the, 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 the missing piece that might be your circumstance. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, Jesus came for uncomfortable circumstances. Jesus came for uncomfortable circumstances. Jesus came for those times when we wake up in the morning and we feel like we're, we feel the farthest thing away from God. Jesus came for those that were steeped in sin and steeped in iniquity. Jesus came for those that were hungry and destitute and in despair. Jesus came for the prostitute. He came for the drunkard. He came for the drug addict. He came for the lost. He came for the despair. He came for the fearful. He came for the dreadful. He came for all those that are hungry. Can we raise our hands right now? Come on, church. Let's, come on, new life. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. How I'm talking about an empty tomb. I'm talking about uncomfortable circumstances.
people, people will go to all lengths to find that hope. Find that new life. Find that connection that they feel that they need. That feeling of feeling like they are in control of their life. And I'm going to tell you what. There is no better feeling of, I don't want to use control. I use the word control very carefully. That when you get the Holy Ghost, there is a feeling of control and contentment and joy and happiness that comes on an individual that says, you know what? I can say no to this. And I don't have to live this way. And I, I, I'm not the same individual I was uh, before I got the Holy Ghost. I'm a new person walking in, in new shoes. I don't feel so uncomfortable anymore. I don't feel so distressed and despondent and in despair. I, I got I got some of value now. I got something of worth. I, I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I got a place to lay my head now. I got a bed to sleep in. I got hope. I got a new life. It all comes down that to that of realizing that we need a Savior. Everybody say, we need a Savior. And in order to know that you need a Savior, you need to know why you need a Savior. And you, in order to know that, you need to know why you need a Savior. What, what's the reason for the why? Well, the reason for the why is, is we're, we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We were lost. We're full of sin and, and ungodliness. And that's why, that's why I said earlier what I said. We got, we got to get an understanding and a realization that we are just lost people. But by the grace and the mercy of God, he delivered us out of this old horrible pit and established our goings. I got to get the understanding of the why. Everybody say the why. Everybody wants to know why, 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 why. Kids ask, Mom, I want a toy. You can't have it. Why? I want to go here. You get Mom, Dad says, no, and they say, why? Sometimes there's not an answer for every why. The only answer for the why is just go do it <laughs> without knowing it. But for this why, for this why, we have an answer. For this why. Why? Because we're lost in sin, shapen, and iniquity. But by the grace and the mercy of God, I can get up by the power of the Holy Ghost. I can walk on by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. My sins are forgiven to never, to never be remembered ever again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God for it. Amen. Aren't you thankful for it? Hallelujah. And that, and this burial, this burial of uh, 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 the setting of this burial, it was a tomb. It was a place of death. It was, I like, it represents the end. It represents the end of an individual's existence. It's death. Hang on with me today. Don't fall asleep on me. Amen. It's the end of an individual's existence. It is, it brings finality. It brings uh, a no going back. What's done is done. It's the end. It's a place of no second chances. Death. It is, as I put it, a place where our hands and our control is completely removed. If we need more money, we can go get a job. If we want food on our table, we go get us a job. If we, if we need to get milk, we can go to the store and get us milk. We got some control. But when it comes to this thing called death, 
There's no control once the life is taken out of our body. And I don't believe it's by no happenstance that the Lord Jesus Christ chose this avenue to bring salvation because it is a place, a place where you and I, humanity, has no control. Bible says, he that will lose his life will find it. Sounds like a paradox. It sounds, it says, how, how can I lose my life and find it? How, and Bible talks about how, how we know we, talks about we die daily. We, we crucify this flesh. Why? For, because for the newness of life. How can I die and get new life? How can I lose my life and find my life? How, how does that work? And we live in a world today that everything is control, control. I got to control. I got to have control. I got to do. I got to go. I got, I got to have a complete hold of my world. I got to understand everything. Can I tell you before you can get that control that, the, that I was talking about earlier, that peace, that joy. It's not a control of saying, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's a control of, a, 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 a control of peace, a control of joy. It's the control of the Holy Ghost is what it is. It's a control of conviction. It's a control of, of, of desire that says, God, I hunger and I thirst after you. I don't hunger for cigarettes and alcohol and booze and liquor and drugs. God, I hunger for things that are holy, that are pure, that are righteous. He said, how, 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 how is that? And, uh, but by losing our lives, our life, the Lord is able to come in and fill us with his spirit and give us that power called the power of the Holy Ghost. But I find it by no happenstance that the Lord chose this avenue to bring salvation for that one reason of it's a place of where our hands are completely off because he can work completely. It was a completely in his power. Something that we could not do. Man had no control of raising him up from the dead. Man really had no control of crucifying him. The Lord put it all in order. They were just walking like a clock. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father. He did not pray to a second person of Godhead. Remember, he was praying to his spirit. He was praying to, he was not praying to a second person. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. It was like clockwork. It was bam, bam. He knew what was fixing to happen. He had it planned. He had it figured out. It wasn't really the Roman soldiers. It wasn't the Jews. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything. It was Almighty God who put it in order. And, he, and in his mind, he thought, I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring this salvation in this way and manner so that humanity cannot say, get no glory out of it. So he said, I'm going to go by way of the grave. For 1 Corinthians 15, says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? And oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. That death that, that he bore on his shoulders, bearing the whole weights of the sins of the world upon his shoulders. The Bible says, in the strength of sin is in the law. That law, that law could all it could do is push our sins forward another year. All it could do, it did not have power. It did not have uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. It did not have that new birth. It was not the new birth. But thank God he came to fulfill the law. Bible says, but thanks be to God which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ that by his death and by his burial and by his resurrection that we could have the newness of life. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Everybody say death, death. Burial, burial, and resurrection. resurrection. As I said, before there can be a resurrection, there's got to be a burial. Before there can be a burial, there's got to be a death. And can I tell you, if we're going to leave this service today, and as many of the saints of God here could testify this morning, that before you got saved, that there was a death that took place. There you came down to this altar and you said, God, I want to die today. I'm not talking about a physical death, but God, I don't like those filthy garments that are on me. I'm not talking about our clothes. I'm talking about the flesh. I'm talking about the humanity. God, I don't like the person that I am. I don't like the things that I do. I don't like the places I go. You can come down to this altar and say, God, I want to die. I want to lose my life that I may find it. God, I want you to put your hands on me and I want to take my hands off of my life. God, I want there to be a death within my spirit that I may have a burial in the watery grave in Jesus' name that I may come up out of with, the, with the newness of life with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Of the Holy Ghost. Everybody still believe the Holy Ghost is real? Yeah. Talking in tongues is still real? Yeah. You still got to talk in tongues? Yeah. You still got to pray in Jesus' name? Yeah. You still got to be baptized in Jesus' name? Yeah. Steal the book. Yeah. Except a man be born again of what? Water and spirit? He cannot enter in. Cannot see, cannot enter in the kingdom of God. Praise God, praise God. I'm talking about an empty tomb. Hallelujah. Thank God that he came for you and I. Hallelujah. Thank God he came for you and I. And I begin to think about those uncomfortable circumstances. Begin to think about that tomb and that grave where Jesus was. You know, when they took Jesus to that grave and they, they covered up that tomb with that, that tomb with that big stone, that you know that those, those, those horrible uh, men, Pharisees and all those guys that were after the Lord uh, said, hey, 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 let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, put, let's put some soldiers by, by that tomb and, uh, and, let's, uh, and let's cover it up. Let's put some soldiers there because, you know, they talk about him rising again. There, there was some of those that, you know, got a revelation of what Jesus said, you know, and they were afraid that they would come and steal the body of the master. And so they put soldiers at the, at the tomb. But yet we know the story of how they fainted and, and uh, how the stone was rolled away and the Lord was resurrected out of that tomb. And, uh, and uh, can I tell you that the Bible, I believe the Bible talks about how that that tomb was sealed, sealed with that big stone. It was sealed or covered. It was, I believe it was covered. Bible says it was covered. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a difference in being sealed and covered when a tomb is sealed and covered. Uh, no air can get in. It's complete, uh, the, no ventilation. It's complete separation and I begin to think about you and I here today as I get to my main point of my message that life sometimes is like a tomb we all are born and raised in a family some of us uh, with a complete family some of us with broken homes whatever the case may be we are brought up in a world of, uh, of, of, of our own individual uh, life and we rise up and uh, grow up as uh, individual people with uh, past that uh, uh, may be embarrassing or may be uh, not something that you would want to share about. It's like a tomb. It's like a cave that's cold and that's, uh, that's wet and that's mossy and uh, it's dark and it's gloomy. I'm talking about people in our world today. It's a cave that, that, that that's not a place that's, uh, that feels like home. It's a place you want to run from. It's a place you want to get away from. But yet 
yet sometimes in the corners and the corridors of our minds we find ourselves reverting back to that cave because it's all we know it's all we can find a connection with it's the only thing we can find uh, uh, find, find use to that's all we're, we're used to and so we revert back to that cave of, of defeat that cave of, of, of mama was a, mama was a druggie and daddy was and so I gotta be and that cave of nobody knows where I'm at I'm in this world alone I'm all by myself nobody feels the pain I'm feeling nobody feels the hurt I feel pain and suffering I was just talking to a lady the other day about coming to church and she began to start telling me about her life and I invited her to church and she told me and I I cringed I cringed when she told me told me how that she was abused by her brother when she was in kindergarten and how that she was abused uh, uh, terribly I'll just put it that way and she was brought up in a home like that. I invited her to church, and she'd tell me about what she might be moving to Iowa. And, and I, wanted, I wanted to get her out to church. I was hoping to get her out, you know, before she gets out of town so that she could see what a, a good, real church is all about. And she said how her family would go to church, and, and they, would go to, they would go to church, and that's when all this all this stuff came out the, the, the pain, the suffering and the hurting and, and the abuse and, uh, and, uh, and she began to tell me that, uh, that her, her brother her brother would use scripture would use scripture uh, to prove his to, to, to back his, uh, uh, his abusiveness and I thought oh God how could some I'm tell, that's the kind of world we live in taking the scripture and perverting it and twisting it and, and, and making it despicable and perverting the most holiest thing. I'm just getting real with you here today. We can go out and witness and talk to people but we don't know what's going on behind the eyes and between the ears of people that we're talking to and I just want to tell you today there is hope here today. There's hope in this altar. There's a baptism you can go down in Jesus name. That the demoniac of Gadara, that death he